views presented in this program are not meant to represent the specific views of Aletheia Bible Fellowship. You are listening to an ABF Studios production. You are listening to Truth Time with Pastor Monty. Just when I thought I was out, they pulled me back in. I do have a very particular set of skills. Skills I've acquired over a very long career. You want answers? You can't handle the truth! The problem is having the right worldview and acting upon it. Welcome to Truth Time with Pastor Monty, a show where two pastors from different generations talk about truth in today's culture. At the top of the show today, let's go ahead and spread this content by liking and sharing it and making sure all of you on YouTube are subscribed and ring the bell so you can be informed of all of our upcoming shows. If you're interested in this ministry or other shows, you can check us out at abfstudios.org, where you can access more podcasts, learn more about ABF, and our local church in Portland, Oregon. Now, with all that being said, I'm Tiffany, your ABF Studios director, and this is Truth Time. Welcome to Truth Time. This is Pastor Monty, and sitting here with me is Pastor Josh, and we... We'll be um, uh, continuing our discussion uh, this morning in uh, The Christ Factor in Colossians chapter 3. So we ended our discussion last week basically talking about Um, the importance of understanding that uh, as disciples of Christ, we are no longer uh, to be beholding to uh, our old life. And the Apostle Paul uh, reiterates that in uh, verse 5 of chapter 3. And he says simply this, Put to death, therefore, what is uh, earthly in you, and remember that therefore refer... Anytime you read therefore, it's always referring to um, to what has just been said. And so we covered that in depth la- last week, and I'm not going to uh, belabor that. Um, put to death, therefore, what is uh, earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these you once, you too once walked, when you were living in them. But now you must put away all anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge after the image of its creator. So, I mean, basically what the Apostle Paul is saying here, and I think is this is a message which is going out to the church in Colossae, but it's certainly a message which is pertinent to every disciple of Christ today. The trick to being able to be successful in your walk as a disciple of Christ is understanding that all of those things that you once did before Christ, they're gone, they're dead. 
And you are to put on, so you put the, the, the admonition by the Apostle Paul is don't, don't be there anymore. Don't, uh, don't live in those things. Don't glorify those things. And I can't, well, I, I can't actually because I can count rather high on one hand. But I, I was going to say I could count on one hand, but, you know, because I know sign language, I can count really high on one hand. Um, the, the, uh, you know, the, the issue is, is that I, there are so many disciples of Christ that I've, that I've uh, talked to and, and we've had discussion that uh, even though they, they claim to follow Christ and they've gone through the, the steps that they needed to take, they still uh, like to revel in things of the past. Mm-hmm. And they still like to revel in behaviors of the past. And uh, I, I mean, we've talked about this before, uh, but a, a graphic example of that is, um, you know, people who say that uh, it's okay for them to practice immorality because God loves everybody. When Scripture clearly says, <laughs> no, no, you're not to. You'd put all those things away. And, and, you know, the Apostle Paul gives a long list. So if you go through this long list, uh, you might say to yourself, well... I don't, you know, I don't do some of those things. Well, that's a pretty, that's a pretty thorough list. Somewhere along the line, you were doing some of these things in one form or another. Would be my my take on it. Am I being too harsh? Oh, you're asking me? Yeah. Uh, no, I don't think you are being too harsh. Uh, let me just real quick, like a producing note. Um, we switched over format, so we're not on Facebook Live anymore for our chat. So if if you guys are, are interested in you know commenting, please do so. We're on YouTube. You can use the YouTube live chat, and we are monitoring it. Um, but in any case, no, I don't think that you're being too harsh. Um, I do think that this list, like pretty much all things that are given to us, can be turned into... Um, like an idol in itself, though. I think, yeah, that- I reckon, yeah. There's a, I, I suppose there's a danger of that. Or people will put up this list and they will say, "Well, it's these things and and only these things." Right. I mean, the list it's pretty, it's pretty general. But then people lump certain things in. So uh, the big one, I think, is greed, which people will say, like, if you if you have if you make money then you're greedy and therefore, you know, that's, that's bad. Um, or if you find a woman attractive and you can recognize that she's attractive, then that's lust and it's bad. Or if you, uh, or the big one would be cussing. People will try to throw cussing into, into this. Um, even though that's not really what this is about. Um, so yeah, that's, that's where I feel like you have to be really careful. Yeah, or people will say uh, you're a Republican and you're uh, and Republicans love capitalism and the heart of capitalism is greed. Right. So you know. So therefore, you're an idolater. They're, they're, and- yeah, yeah, yeah. Or uh, or or you know, you're really into uh, you know, you're you're always in the process of trying to keep up with the Jones, and so you know what you have is never good enough, and you're always. You know, somebody see you. You see somebody has something, and you go, "Oh, I gotta have that." Well, that's that's at the heart of covetousness. Um, there, there are just a lot of things here that that uh, 
you know. But aside from that, it also talks about things like, you know, wrath and and uh, anger and those types of things in our art. Our society today are just filled with this stuff. Well, so I guess the how do you how do we practically navigate? Because we don't want to be greedy, we don't want to be lustful, we don't want to be covetous. Um, although, is that is that in one of these? Um, yeah, it is. Yeah, it is in this list. Yeah, um, <clears throat> yeah, we don't want to be those things. How do we navigate that? You know, um, how do we how do we navigate this um, in a practical, livable? way maybe that's not the right way to put it because it you know we we need to conform when we say livable we need to conform but i mean in the practical way what does it look like in the day-to-day is a person in violation of this list when they use an expletive for instance or is a person in violation of this list on the extreme when they use the dollar bill you mean like (laughs) yeah you mean like you know have they committed a sin yeah um are they not putting to death sinful earthly things no i think that the my my take on this is that we're talking about um if we go back to to uh, the beginning of verse five there you know he says put to death therefore what is earthly in you so the idea the idea of putting something to death means that it it doesn't it doesn't live anymore or rule anymore in how you do things. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the, this is not a list of this is not a list of events. This is a hmm. this is a list of of understanding the those drivers. I I, I would call them drivers. But um, when you look at uh, how people live and how they do the various things they do. These are elements within somebody's life that drives them. Right. They, they, th- these are things that, that, that drive and consume an individual right. in the choices that they make and in the lifestyle that they live and in, in, in what the Apostle Paul, I believe, is saying here is that do not allow these things any long to be drivers in your life because they are to be put to death. And they are no longer to, to govern how it is that you make choices, how it is that you decide what you're going to do or how you're going to do it. Do not allow these things to be drivers. And that's why I take issue with people that have, um, uh, that I have, that, that have um, participated in these, these, these things of the world that drive them who continue to think that they can continue to do that. It's okay for them to have, uh, you know, they 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 continue to be uh, gossips. They continue to uh, accumulate uh, everything that they can because they're never satisfied. They, you know, they uh, they have sexual issues that they that they haven't turned over to God, and they think that they can still live uh, according to their flesh in their sexuality instead of how God defines it. So what? Okay. So what about the person? Um, and I like I like what you're saying about the driving, following that analogy through. What about the person who says I these things don't drive me, but I like to indulge occasionally? Well, they're a bigger. <laughs> they're 
There, there right, it's are, it's the it's the old it's the old adage I can stop at any time. What no. <laughs> you know, like how how would you address that when a person says, "Well, look at my life. I'm I am all of these things, but occasionally I like to you know check out porn, the or get drunk on the weekend. You know, yeah, 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 yeah. I like to imbibe, or I like yeah. to you know, like how do you? I, 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 so that person's going to argue. Really let it, I really relish a good piece of uh, juicy gossip or yeah so that person's going to argue this doesn't you know this doesn't run their life so it's not driving them well the the trick here though is to see that the apostle now i use the the uh i use the um the the example of a driver because in the flesh these are things that consume people Mm-hmm. These are things that that, uh, that that motivate them and drive them to how it is they live in the flesh. But the Apostle Paul, first of all, states that these things are to be dead. They're, they're to be put to death so that they're no longer to have... You know, when, when, uh, when somebody is dead, they physically no longer have any control over you. Now, that doesn't mean to say that there aren't uh, emotional issues that people uh, have to deal with when somebody dies. But physically, they have no control over you. They're dead. And in the same way, these things that we once participated in uh, before we came to Christ and and, and that were not covered by the blood of Christ, these things are to be dead. So does that mean that that uh, the person who wants to uh, use the excuse that well I just indulge periodically or or you know whatever uh, are are they uh, are are they pres- are are they participating in what I call spiritual zombieism? I have never heard you call it that, but sure, you go with it. Well, you know, I mean, there's a whole. Th- culture about you know zombies and right i mean basically and what are zombies zombies are those uh individuals that have died but come back to life through some process and and uh torment people and scare people sure. and, and raise all kinds of you know ravage right ravage the living right so are these believers who um who who claim to be who claim to be disciples of Christ, who have gone through the process of repentance and baptism and have been raised to walk in a new life for Christ, are they now justifying that they are raising up those things which have been pronounced to be dead because it glorifies their flesh or because you know they rely upon, because that's how they've always done it. That's not what the Apostle Paul says. And he says it later, aside from being put to death, he says, you know, um, after giving this long list, you know, he says, um, uh, verse 9, well, I'll start out with verse 9. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices. Huh? You have put off mm-hmm. the old self with its practices and have put on a new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge after the image of its creator. We are raised to walk a new life, and in being raised to walk a new life, what now drives and directs us is, uh, is that we are to be consumed with knowing who our creator is 
and uh, de the desire to conform to his image and how he sees all of these issues. That's why we learn how to live according to the fruit of the Spirit. That's why we learn, um, you know, how we are to live as uh, those who have been created, uh, who created us in his image. So that's where believers are supposed to be at. Yeah, so I'm just, I'm, from a counseling perspective, I'm just wondering about where, where, how we judge what the standard is for when something is participating in old self versus new self. Um, there are some things, obviously, which are straight out the gate immoral, right? right. And the scripture is very clear about that. It's very clear about, um, especially in regard to sexual practices, it's, right. it's very clear about you know homosexuality and and about um, sex outside of the bounds of marriage and yeah, yeah, lasciviousness and stuff like that. Sex is a huge driver, right? But the things that are less clear or even more dynamic are going to be things like pornography in this day and age, which is different than anything that was back then. Right? It's not pornea. Um, and things like drinking, like when does it become, you know, drunkenness versus... Or substance abuse. Or substance, was, yeah. You know, Marijuana, I mean, that's a huge, uh, that's a huge one. The, there, there's a discussion amongst the eldership. We side on the side of caution, but there's a discussion amongst the eldership as to whether it is inappropriate or fine to um, <laughs> run a grow operation, <laughs> uh, wow. like morally speaking, mm -hmm. yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, you know things like that. So what, wh like, where does or the line? Or if you've got the right, uh, if you've got the right conditions, uh, a still. Yeah, exactly. Um, which I always, I mean, white lightning. That's that's. I think that's cool. But <laughs> not that I think I don't drink personally. But I think like the process of it's cool. Um, but. Uh, and then also, I think the big one is um, is in language, right? Because right. I think there's a conflation here between obscene language and uh, cussing and coarse jesting, and there, like it. I think that there's a lot of um, there's a lot of Christians out there who would say you cannot have any sort of cussing. You can't. Uh, make a joke with any sort of sexual reference uh, because it crosses over into these areas. Right. So like there's in, in the practical sense, it's like there's a, there's a lot to unpack practically, even from a counseling sense. Okay. So, uh, and, and I, I think that uh, for time's sake, what we're going to do sure. is we're next week going to begin to unpack that a little bit right. and, and be more defined. I think the, the, uh, for me, the, the bottom line understanding is, is is this is a this is a process that the believer goes through mm -hmm. so you know when 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 we become disciples of Christ so so we're <laughs> we're we're baptized uh, immersed self dies raised to walk a new life and when we're raised to walk a new life it's not like a bolt of lightning comes out of the heavens and goes Boom! 
and now uh, we shazammed our way into everything super... is perfect. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's not. It's not like a shazam moment, you right, know. Right. If I date myself with the reference, no, 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 no. It's that's that's uh, that's. Re- in fact, there's a new shazam movie coming out in like a couple weeks. Yeah, yeah. It's you know, it's not a shazam moment where all of a sudden you're uh, you know you're you're uh, you're spiritualized. Right. Um, it's a process. It's a process that we go through as believers, learning what God's will is for us and how we are to execute that in the process of becoming, as uh, it says in First Peter, uh, holy, um, as we already are holy, but we are in the process of learning uh, how to be that. So it doesn't work to just say Jesus all the time? Uh, no. Yeah. And you don't say Jesus anyway, you say Jesus. Wow. Yeah. Or Yeshua. <laughs> okay. So we're going to pick this up next week and continue this discussion, because it's really an important discussion for the life of the believer to understand what that transition is supposed to look like. Okay, we're going to um, transition over now, and we're going to talk a little bit about uh, relationships. So one of the things we've been talking about uh, in regard to relationships is we had been spending, we spent a, a great deal of time, uh, <laughs> actually uh, two seasons worth, we spent a great deal of time laying out what a relationship is to look like because, first of all, God has created us as being relational. And we spent time looking at our relationship with God. We spent time in looking at our relationship with uh uh, familial, the immediate family. So mother, father, children, husband, wife, you know, etc. We want to expand that now and just begin a discussion. I said begin a discussion yeah. on, on what that looks like now in the body of Christ. Um, because the next most important relationship that we have is Scripture says that we are adopted into the body of Christ. So you have your own family unit, but then we have been adopted into the body of Christ. And, and with that comes a whole dynamic in regard to um, relationship. And so we want to begin to explore that. And I guess the, the first part of that is understanding um, what we come to that relationship equipped with. And so, um, you know, my thinking on that is to begin by looking, first of all, as a, as, as a disciple of Christ, I need to know um, how God has equipped me in order to function within the body of Christ. And the Apostle Paul gives us uh, an allusion to that uh, in both Romans and in 1 Corinthians, where he talks about the nature of the body. And but but to be even more simplistic is to understand that first of all, when we one of the things that empowers us to live for Christ is to recognize that uh, through His Holy Spirit. Remember, in John, He gives the promise of the Holy Spirit. He says, "The reason I have to go is so that the Holy Spirit may come." And the Holy Spirit indwells the life of the believer. 
And part of that indwelling is the Holy Spirit then equipping us to be able to live for God. And he equips us in a number of ways. One of the ways that he equips us is that he gives us the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control. These things are the fruit and of the Spirit. And not, and not, not plural. Right. Not fruits. Like a basket of fruits, but fruit. One thing, fruit of the Spirit. They're really uh, sort of describing a singular fruit. Yeah. So it's like the crispness and the sweetness and the <laughs> savoriness. That's what each thing, love, joy, peace. Yeah, think of it kind of like, I don't know, maybe um, trying to think of a fruit, uh, maybe a pomegranate or something like I that. I do not like pomegranates. I, I don't either. But, but, you know, something where you have uh, multiple aspects of it inside of one fruit. Um, yeah. So it's the fruit of the Spirit. And, and each one of those, you know, we could do a uh, individual study. We will not. But we could do an individual study of each of the elements of the fruit of the Spirit but the important thing is to understand is that he equips us with the fruit of the Spirit so that we may begin to live in such a way that, um, that we are able to interact. Note that each one of these, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, uh, self-control, these things are things that you would need uh, to, to interact with others. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you're <laughs> they're relational. Yeah, they're yeah. relational. They're very much relational. And so, um, one of the things that we uh, that would would then, as I said, we're not gonna we're not gonna go and look at each one. It will, you know, we'll have uh, season ten before we get done. Um, <laughs> but but um, the fruit of the spirit is is essential to us being able to interact with each other. Um, because all of those things which are stated in the fruit of the Spirit are those things which are going to be essential to for you to be able to... <laughs> and I, I, I am trying to, I'm trying to use the right wording to say this. Uh, to, put up, to put up with your, your, uh, the idiosyncrasies of your brothers and sisters in Christ. I and mean, sure. we'll talk a little bit about that more. But really, that's, a lot of times that, that's what it comes down to. Yes, because you know, because you know we're not all the same, and the apostle Paul talks about, and we'll explore that in a little bit. We're not all the same, and yeah, they help to temper your interactions. Yeah, and people yeah. sometimes annoy you. Yeah, or do or say things that just rub you the wrong way. In mm-hmm. the exercise of the fruit of the spirit helps you to be able to temper how it is then you interact with your brothers or sisters. Yeah, it, it is important to understand, though, that there is a time and place for things which... Because um, when we look at the fruit of the Spirit, we tend to think that they are temperate in a way that always leaves people feeling ooey-gooey, mushy-gushy inside. Oh, I, I don't... And yeah, I, no, I'm with you. I, don't, I, think, I think it's important, like, people have a tendency to think that if there's, like, open rebuke, for instance, that the, that the fruit of the Spirit is not being demonstrated. But if you're going to say that, then you're going to have a hard time with some of the writings, uh, with a lot of the writings of Paul, 
or specifically the works of Jesus. Like when Jesus calls the Pharisees, uh, you know, uh, a brood of vipers, right? Which in that slur was essentially calling them satanic. Mm -hmm. That's the, you cannot argue that he was not demonstrating the fruit of the spirit because he was filled with the spirit at all times. So you have to be really careful about um, using your own metric for understanding what these things are. Well, see now, see now, see now, you're going to force me to have to go back and and define one of the, <laughs> one of the fruit of the spirit when I said we wouldn't. Um, but what is the first <laughs> what what is the first fruit of the spirit? Love. Now that's a difficult thing for us in this culture to grab a hold of because we use love in so many ways. Yeah, and so in in this culture, it's used in so many ways. But uh, in in the in the biblical culture, that was not the case. It was very defined. You see, love only used two ways: either uh, 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 phileo, as in and uh, brotherly, sisterly love, or agape. Now, generally speaking, and I would have to look at the actual passage in the Greek here, but I believe it is agape. Um, in in this passage, the, the essence of agape love is is not flowerly, flowerly or or, or frou frou or or any of that. It's not a feel good type of thing. Right. The essence of agape love is that you are acting out of the best concern towards right. the one whom the love is directed towards. Right. And and that means that sometimes there's going to need to be correction. Yeah. Well, and that correction can be harsh. It well depends uh, on the, yeah what you're dealing and with. And what we what we see with Christ in particular is the degree of severity of the correction is based upon the degree of the severity of deviation from God's. Uh, way of doing things. Yeah. Or, you know, if, if the Pharisees in particular, they stepped in the way of man's relationship with God. And so he was, he was very harsh with them. Um, and I think that has to be taken into account and you can do that with all of the gifts, right? Like kindness. We, we tend to think of well, as not gifts or sorry. It's right. It's the, the fruit. Fruit, fruit is fruit. Um, but, uh, we're going to get the gifts. Yeah. Right. right. But like kindness, again, this is a word in our culture that means being like charitable or right. being, um, you know, like it has a tone where it's like people like what you're saying, but that's not what that word means in, uh, in the culture that it was written, that word means to do what's useful for for people, um, and the list goes on sure. uh, with them. So we ha- we have to be careful about not, I guess, um, what would it be, anachronizing yeah. the the fruit of the spirit into our definitions, our easy definitions. So a challenge for my audience might be that um, you know, uh, look up the fruit of the spirit. And take each one of these and do a word study. Yeah. Uh, for on, on each of these, uh, get yourself a uh, get yourself access, which is easy nowadays. But get yourself an interlinear. Yeah, I, I would suggest uh, there's an app called the Blue Letter Bible. Okay. And there's also one called Bible Web App. But yeah, there's a bunch of them online. Yeah, there's a bunch of them online. Get yourself an interlinear, and what that does is it takes and it it takes the uh, original language. So Greek and Aramaic, 
and it it translates it into the English, so you can you can f- see the English, but you've also got the Greek right there, right? And, and and you don't have to be worried because yes, it has the Greek word, but then the Greek word has a definition with it. So right. it's like so you don't have to know Greek, but you can see the more of a word for word understanding. Yeah, it's a really useful tool. But you could take and you could do your own word study on seeing how it is that the. Uh, the, the scripture is uh, betraying the fruit of the Spirit, uh, and what the fruit of the Spirit is then is given to each disciple of Christ because God has allowed us to have his Spirit, part of who he is, his Spirit, living and dwelling inside of each one of us. Yeah, I, I point that out just because I, I, I agree with Pastor Monty on this particular subject a great deal because, ironically— it is the low-hanging fruit of um, Christian criticism of each other to say that you do not bear the fruit of the Spirit. I once had a conversation with somebody uh, who was talking about his pastor, actually, and the pastor had done things that he didn't like, and he made the he said he had no fruit of the Spirit, and that is just uh, that's a real. Those are real harsh claims to make about somebody. And we as Christians tend to do that when we get in conflict. We're like, oh, there's no love there. There's no joy there. And just because, again, I just want to caution, just because Jesus was harsh and rightfully so does not mean that he did not have joy in his relationship with even the Pharisees that he was speaking to. There's, It's about the tender heart. So it is very important to study those things instead of just, you know, taking the low hanging fruit and being like, well, you don't have you you don't make me feel good. So therefore you're not loving. Yeah. One of the things that we're going to be talking about a little bit later, particularly as we, as interaction within the body of Christ has to do with the issue of, uh, of judgment and interaction uh, within that framework. And, uh, and we'll provide from a scriptural basis an understanding of how it is that we are to interact in that fashion. We're going to close out this portion right now. We'll pick this back up next week. It's, it's a fascinating subject, and uh, we'll pick it up next week. Uh, where let's take, uh, we're going to go into a new section uh, where um, uh, I'm providing you, um, I'm providing you uh, out there. Tips. Yeah. <laughs> Tips from the old man on uh, on how to be successful in life. <laughs> Did you pick that? No, no, no. That's that's Tiffany um, working her magic. Uh, um, <laughs> the more you know. That's NBC's like old, you know. You know what I'm talking about? The more you know? I don't know, but no. It was like a, it's the more you know, know. and there'd be like a star that goes across the screen. Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Good. Good job, Diff. Okay. So, um, in this section, what I'm doing is I'm just saying, you know, that uh, I'm old, I've lived a long life, and and the Lord has blessed me to be fairly successful in a number of ways. Um, This is your appeal to, (laughs) this is your appeal to old age. Yeah, so so uh, so that so then I have different uh, uh, deals that I've observed and that I uh, use in order to uh, do that. So today, um, last week, if you caught last week's, uh, we were talking about uh, uh, letting letting it go. Those things which you can control, control those things that you can't control. 
Don't let it master you. Let it go. Now, another thing that you can do uh, to be successful is to um, is to choose a direction. So I can I cannot tell you the number of people. I'm not going to go with the counting on my fingers. I can tell you <laughs> the uh, the I can't tell you the number of people I've talked to that live their life in indecision. Mm. And it's you know do I don't I why did I do this or that and their whole life is a mixture of confusion and uh, because they they don't they don't pick a direction. Well, it's FOMO. Do you know that term? Uh, no. It's like a sociological. Uh, it's like a colloquial sociological term they use now. FOMO, fear okay. of missing oh, out. Fear of missing. Okay. Okay. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, and and. Um, you know, for the there's a couple factors uh, for the life of the the disciple of Christ is is to understand that first of all, we as believers are subject to the will of God, and there are going to be times when um, God is going to want you to rely upon His Spirit, but there's also going to be times where um, you just have to take the best information you have. And make a decision with that. And the absolute worst place that you can be is at a point of indecision in your life. Yeah. Because you're being poor. You don't, you, you, there's no stability there. It's chaotic and you're being torn and you don't know which way to go. And um, it's, it's very unsettling. It, it affects your relationships with people. It affects your ability to get a restful night's sleep. It, uh, you know, it, it, it reflects how it is uh, that uh, your life uh, then becomes chaotic. So my advice is uh, that um, when you're faced with a choice of what to do, um, there are some things, mechanical things that you can do in order to try to help you uh, make a decision. And we're going to talk a little bit later. Uh, one of the factors that uh, is more expansive is the issue of choice. But, but one of the things that you can do to help you, if you're, if you're overwhelmed by this and it's something which, uh, that rules your life, uh, that's not a good place to be. And there are mechanical things that you can do to help you move beyond that. And uh, I'll let Josh share, and then I'll just give you one or two ideas of mechanical things. Are you putting me on the spot to share my mechanical? <laughs> no, not necessarily. And do, do, do you agree? you disagree? Uh, yes, I agree. I think that there is, just from a counseling perspective, what you have is an unnecessary anxiety mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. has to do with a lack of trust in God. Okay, um, yeah. And that is specifically a trust in God's graces and his sovereignty, right? Right. So God, people who are dealing with this, if I'm going to counsel them through making these decisions, oftentimes the lack of um, wanting to move forward has to do with being afraid of, you know, of an outcome or being afraid of missing out on what they consider to be good things. As Christians, one of the ways that we can combat this is relying on the grace of God and specifically that there's some promises that he has, like that all things will work together for those who love him, Mm -hmm. that all things will be reconciled to him, that, um, 
that he always has grace for us that's new every morning and the the list goes on and on we don't a christian perspective on life and decision making should be that we don't have to fear stepping out as long as we do it in in faith mm-hmm. um you know in good faith right so as long as your decisions are made with with the idea that god will take care of you and you've done everything that you can within your power then you don't need to be afraid. And, and a lot of, I think a lot of Christians, um, haven't seeded that over to God. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. So, and, and it can be, I mean, these are things that, um, you know, the decisions of life, can you, uh, pull into your microphone? The decisions there, yeah. of life are complicated. The decisions of life, you were, were constantly faced with having to make decisions. I'll just make one anecdotal example uh, you know, to give you, um, you know, an idea. Going home from uh, church on Sunday, um, I my my uh, idiot light went off in my car. My I've got a newer car and it's got all kinds of gadgets. And the idiot light went off and said that uh, my passenger, my right passenger tire, uh, was down to twenty six pounds, which meant I was losing air rapidly. And so I was going, originally I was, I dropped uh, my wife and daughter off at home. I was going to get some gas um, and I immediately did a U-turn and went over to Firestone to say, hey, can we look at this? And they looked at it and said, mm, this uh, screw or whatever it is, is right along the spleen. So the spleen is the the part of the tire uh, off to the side where your your main tread meets the sidewall and the position of the uh, auto industry is that that's a dangerous place to have a a a puncture and it's not repairable so um so they said that doesn't look good but we'll we'll so then uh, later in the day they called me and they said you know um because you're a good customer and um, because um, you know we care <laughs> we care about you um, we're, <laughs> we're gonna we, we've our, our experts here have looked at it and have decided that it might be possible uh, to patch this it's kind of in an iffy gray area huh so now I'm left with the decision. Do I so so the normal with a, so the 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 add on to that is to understand this is that the normal uh, procedure for the auto industry is if you because my car has all wheel drive so to take note if you have an all wheel drive car and one of your tires has to be replaced all of them have to be replaced that's the standard of the auto industry if you if you have a, a two wheel drive car. And one of your tires has to be replaced. Uh, normally, two of them have to be replaced. Mm-hmm. Either the two front or normally for front wheel drive, the two front tires. Right. Um, but so, but anyway, all all of them have to be replaced. So you know, my tires are not cheap, um, just based upon the size and all of that of what's running on there. So, so I'm faced now with the decision. Well, what what complicated it was that uh, they called me back at the end of the day and they said you know what we were able to we were able to um, patch this uh, but it's it's in that iffy area and so uh, 
you know, we could give it back to you and you could run the risk of running it uh, for, uh, you know, another 20,000 miles or so, but, you know, that's kind of iffy. So what do you want to do? So now I'm faced with a major decision. Do I drive my vehicle that is now uh, that I could make work, which is a whole lot cheaper, wouldn't cost me anything, or uh, do I end up having to pay a lot of money in order to replace all four tires? So that's a major heavyweight decision. Yeah. And, and I could wrestle all over the place with that. Um, you know, my, so what I do is I take, and, and here's my tip for you now in how it is that you uh, try to deal with these things. What you need to do is have a, a full breadth of knowledge of what it is that you're, you're faced with. And then you need to um, either physically, if you're not used to doing this, physically sit down and write out the pros and cons for each, each decision. This is what happens if I do this. This is what happens if I do that. You write, you put out the pros and cons, yep. and then based upon the pros and cons, you then make a decision which is going to be uh, best for you. Yeah. So, and it may not be right. No, this is not a right or wrong. But issue. it's your best, uh, your best understanding. Yeah. You know, in this case, I'm dealing with yes, it's going to cost me less money if I go with the uh, if I go with the uh, patch which is in an iffy area on the edge of right, the spleen, right, right. or, you know, know that my, my, the safety of my passengers and the safety of my uh, wife and daughter and the safety is there with all new tires all around, right. <laughs> although it's going to hurt my wallet. Right. Um, you know, what, what is the best decision? Well, the, and so the, the point, yeah, the point being made is that I was making is that, in the end, that decision may not turn out to be like the best financially. Like for instance, it could turn out that your tire would be just fine, you know? Yeah, it could. But you have to go with, after weighing everything, you have to go with whatever you're going to decide based upon the metric that makes the most sense, in your case, safety, and then be okay with the outcome. Yeah, once you've made the decision, don't second guess yourself. Right. You make the decision, and then you go with the decision, and you move forward with that. Happy that you made the decision which you believe was the best decision you could. This is not, this is, these, these are these decisions that we're faced with every day that would right. fall into what I call kind of a gray area. Well, How am I going to proceed? Well, and not just happy with it, but trusting that God will honor the, um, the mindset behind it because it's made in good faith. Yeah, absolutely. You, you know, interesting what you're talking about. So I teach a, I teach with my good friend Lisa Ballard. Uh, we teach a logic class mm -hmm, okay. to um, the junior age kids uh, here at, in the community of our church, and um, it's it's a basic area of logic that I think people don't really understand. So in our logic class, yes, we're dealing with, we're dealing with sort of high concept ideas that are broken down, um, understanding what evidence says and so on and so forth. But at the end of the day, especially in the last couple of chapters that we have been in, we're actually talking about how to make a T chart, how to make, how to brain map an idea, right? Because at the, base level this is like rudimentary stuff and it's really interesting that there's like an entire generation of people who don't seem to understand how to do that because yes. decisions have been made for them yes 
but it's real base level what Pastor Monty's talking about here. He's not talking about magic. Like, make a T-chart, you know, list the pros and cons. Well, I got to tell you, T-charts are really cool. <laughs> you know. Make a T-chart, list the pros and cons, and then, and then step forward. And then for us as Christians, that's like basic logic in the world. That's secular logic. But then for us as Christians, go forward in faith and have no fear right. because we have a God who is providential to us. If we do the best we can with what we have... God will fill the will fill the rest. Not not to say that you can name it and claim it, like you may live in destitution, but as but morally speaking, like the thing that brings you peace in your everyday, you can you can be sure of. Well, yeah. So in in this case, what you know what we're talking about then in my situation is to say that um, you know that's that's a boatload of change for me, and it's not like I don't have other you know things to pay. But somehow God is going to provide that those funds to be able to deal with it. And the in in this case, one of the kickers is is that um, you know first of all because I am a good customer, they knocked off five percent off of the overall bill. But but not only that, um, you know I have uh, six months of uh, no interest. Yeah. So if I can pay it off within six months, then it's just paying out the net amount of what it is that I owe and, and, you know, trusting that God is going to provide the vehicle through which I'll be able to come up with that money. And, and so there's that element of faith that is there. Um, these are things that we face on a, this is, uh, this is just one extreme of the stuff that I, I go through on, on, it seems almost a daily basis. But, but the reality of it is, if, if, if you're going to be successful in life, you need to really conquer this. Do not live in indecision. Well, and, and, I, and I just want to point out that what Pastor Monty is saying is a principle. So mm-hmm. it's, it's something that applies across the board. And, um, you know, we're like we're as a church, we're going through a property search right now. And we have a tendency to think that because something is seems like a lesser risk that the principle is easier to apply or, or, or applies in an easier way. But the truth is, um, you know, whether you're going to spend $10 on a property or a million dollars on a property, the same principle applies. Mm -hmm. If you do your due diligence, um, by a metric, by a biblical metric and you step out in faith, then God will protect you. And that's, you know, when you have nothing, or when you have everything. So you just, you have to, um, you got to take it there in your life. And when you do that, when you live by that principle and the other principles, then, you know, you may, yeah, you may find one day that you don't have a lot of money. Um, but that's okay. And I think Paul, Paul says something to that effect. Like I've, I've learned to live at peace when I had everything to eat and when I had nothing to eat. Right. And that peace is far is worth, you can't put a price on that. Uh, Yeah. And I would, but I would just add that my experience in my old age is that when you put your trust in the, the hands of God is that he never fails you. Right. So I've never been in a situation where God hasn't provided uh, when um, when I've been able to trust Him, and that's why I've learned, uh, you know, how to do this. Well, I always think about in regard to that. I always think about um, 
<laughs> I always think about the Nazis. Like I, I do. I always think about the, the Jews, um, and you know, other select minorities who were minding their own business yeah, and then yeah. put into, put into these situations. Camps or whatever, and yes. it's like, um, it would be easy to say that God, you know, didn't provide in that moment, but no, God was there too. And that's the point I'm making is circumstances will change. But if you live the way that you're supposed to, then you, you will get through it. Um, and that's something that was really telling, you know, I mean, a whole subsect of people was tried to be exterminated right? and God still protected them. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. Wonderful. Okay. So let's, uh, so next week be prepared to uh, have another insight brought to you. Let's go ahead and close out our time of sharing today with uh, what's up with that. Well, I got two for you today. Um, All right. There's a man in Florida that uh, has entered the Guinness, uh, yep. Guinness. Book of World Records yep. uh, because he um, he built a unicycle, a 31 foot high, 31 and 10 inches, 31 foot high unicycle. And then he wrote it. How did he now, do if that? You, if, if so it'd have to have like massive amounts of gears for him to actually it, be able to yeah, pedal yeah, it? Yeah, have to have massive amount of gears. You know how high th- 31 feet is? That's that's a three-story building or more. Yeah. I mean, that's really high up there. But then, on t- well, he would have been able to make massive headway, too, because the 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 radius of the wheel would have... Put him like he goes like one pedal and it would go like very far. And then, and then, so then, and then having to balance. Yeah. That. Do I we mean, know how wide the tire was? They didn't, no, I didn't give the details of uh, the gears or the tires or anything like that, but it's just a unicycle. Now, if you've ever tried, if you've ever tried to ride a unicycle, that is not an easy task. Huh. And 30, 31 feet, 10 inches. Wow. Yeah. It's, uh, you know. Impressive in its own right. Is Guinness connected to the alcohol brand at all? No, I don't think so. That's a great question. I don't know. I've never thought about it before, but, you know, maybe. <laughs> you mean people pull these things when they're drunk? Or when they've been, or when they've been <laughs> I can imagine that that was the start of, like, a bunch of people drinking Guinness were like, I can do that. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm better than you. Let's see who's the best. And yeah. then, like, they started handing out drunk awards. That's, oh yeah, that yeah. seems like that is a plausible. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm not too sure about that one. Uh, the other one I have, so um, the other one I have is uh, is kind of interesting. So let's say that you have uh, a friend, either a friend. Are you that friend? No, no. Okay, no. keep going. Uh, a friend uh, or um, an in law who uh-huh. is going to get married. All right. And they have come to a point that they have to figure out who they're going to invite. If you've ever gone through yeah. the process of, you know, who we're going to invite and what have you, it can be a long, grueling process sometimes. So they decided that the way that they were going to do this is that they were going to require that uh, those who might attend their wedding uh, prepare a 250-word essay for two questions. So 500 words uh, essay 
on why they should be invited to attend the wedding. I love it. So, so this. I the, love it. So the sister of this girl, who the sister, huh, of this girl who is uh, this woman who is getting married, right? Um, received this uh, letter, which basically says, "If you want to attend my wedding, um, you know, five hundred word essay." Uh, addressing these two questions, right? And if you didn't, uh, if you didn't address, so and so, then they were going to get the responses of people. They were going to read through them, and whoever had the best response um, would get to attend their wedding. Which, by the way, was a destination wedding. Okay, okay. So adding insult to injury. Well, was it all? Oh, I see. But was it like? Did they pay for people to go there? No, of course not. All right. So I'm going to have to pay to they go really to your... They really wanted an exclusive event. I'm going to have to pay to your, go to your wedding, and then uh, I have to... Uh, to, to apply. To, to apply and to write uh, something so wonderful that you're going to be smitten by it, and you will say, yeah, you can... You can come. Uh, you can come to our wedding because you really know how to blow smoke. Um, <laughs> and Josh says, "Wow, that's cool." And yeah, my, I like it. And my response is the same for my response to most things in my retirement. I ain't doing that. That's what you got. That's that's it. That's what's. I I think uh, personally, I think that that is uh, ludicrous and insulting. I don't think so. In but fact, I think that it's ludicrous and insulting how people treat weddings. Do you? Yeah, I can't stand uh, the mentality behind weddings in general. First and first of all, like I I believe in marriage strongly, um, which is part of the reason why I don't like the the idea of how weddings are done and specifically that you have a bunch of people from your past who oftentimes have nothing to do with your future who who stand in in covenant with you and um and and that's what i see because i think of weddings as a as a religious event right yeah oh absolutely and oftentimes you have people who who don't share the same religious worldview and then you got people who come out of nowhere, you know, family and friends who don't talk to you or haven't talked to you for ages. Who want to show up? To who want to show up? They want to, yeah. yeah. And I yeah, just, no, I, I get it. I don't like that. And there it, are other ways to do that, however, without uh, being offensive. To well, people. I'm sure that the people who did this didn't have that in mind. That doesn't sound like they did. But that being said, I like I like the idea of the exclusivity of it. Now, I will warn in my own wedding that I did not invite. I just, instead of doing this whole apply for the wedding, I just didn't invite people that I didn't think, uh, I would, that basically showed no interest in my life or that I didn't believe would show any interest in the life of my family as it was starting. And so I received that. And so I received a total of, uh, about $300, for for my wedding when all of the uh you know when all of the uh all of my friends received you know like thousands of dollars sometimes and all of these gifts i received like three hundred dollars because the only people i invited to my wedding were close family and then like a bunch of young people yeah you you know you know how your mother and i dealt with that you did it. We got we got married in the Philippines, right? And, and in the Philippines, you know, it's kind of what Josh is talking about, where even cousins who you, yeah, family the world cousins, shows they, up. they come out of the woodwork, 
uh, because they want to partake in the you know in the festivities, the party, the party, and the reception, and all that type of stuff. Yeah, you know, you remember what we did? I, I mean, I wasn't there. Thankfully, so yeah, <laughs> we uh, we we held. Uh, you did we, it on we, Filipino. We held our our wedding uh, ceremony at six o'clock in the morning. <laughs> six o'clock in the morning six, on the Fourth of July, right? Yeah, you, right, right. Well, the Fourth of July uh, for uh, the Philippines is Philippine American Friendship Day, right? So um, that was the day that we held it. And by the way, a uh, a note for you guys that uh, for the guys. Specifically thinking about uh, setting a date for a wedding, always pick a memorable date that you can remember and that you won't forget. Uh, but anyway, ours is uh, on the 4th of July. Man, and, I think um, you just make it memorable. And we, uh, oh, no, 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 no. Pick a memorable date. Believe me. <laughs> None of this make it memorable, no nonsense. Pick a date that you'll remember that you won't forget so you won't be embarrassed when you don't do things correctly. Um, there it is, and that's uh, an extra tip coming from somebody. Yeah, I was going to say that's in your. That's in, this is the wrong segment for your. <laughs> coming from somebody who's been married for going on forty-five years, um, but but uh, yeah, six o'clock in the morning. So if you wanted to come to our wedding now in the Philippines, they, they don't have transportation like we do here. Well, they so didn't. They still don't. I mean, now everybody owns a car. Yeah. So you still so, you so you're all riding the tricycles. So and, they're and riding tri- jipneys and tricycles and what have you. But you wore you didn't and wear a tux. You wore this, like a barong. Is that what called? Yeah, barong de calo. But but <laughs> that meant that if you're going to come to our wedding, you had to be up at like you know two thirty three o'clock in the morning yeah. just to be able to get there for the ceremony. So did you do that purposefully also to? That's exactly correct. <laughs> yeah. So for me, in order to stand in my wedding party, I didn't do the normal wedding party where it was like guys on one side, girls on the other side. In order to stand in my wedding party, you had to have shown a investment in a relationship with me and my wife-to-be. Yeah, that makes so sense. So you had to be connected, and you had to be willing to do a lip sync. <laughs> Yeah, so did you have a lip sync contest? You were there, yes. We had yeah. a lip sync. I mean, it was 15 years ago, so for yeah. you, that's probably like ages ago. Yeah, it's, you know. But. The, <laughs> the, the details passed me by. Yeah, we had a lip sync contest. <laughs> uh, it was like, I believe in a thing called love, and ACDC's shook me all night long, I think, <laughs> where they competed against each other in a lip sync contest. So we're coming up on our 15th uh, anniversary. Oh, thank you. We're coming up on our 15th anniversary. Wait, so, wait, wait, What's up with that? The, the, he, he said 45. I, 45 and I you know. gave me nothing? And uh, Wow. So anyway. <laughs> okay. We're coming up on our 15th. I'm thinking that for our 20, we'll replicate the same thing yeah. and have people do a lip sync contest. Anyway. There you go. You're trying to think of. The, Although maybe we'll do maybe we'll do a destination. Maybe yeah. we'll do a destination rededication sort of thing. Uh, maybe Hawaii. Oh, Bali. Maybe Bali. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's all I got. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, there you go. Well, uh, all right. So if you are someone who is seeking answers, you want to know more about your faith, you're new to Jesus Christ in the Bible, please check out more at abfstudios.org. 
The Truth Time with Pastor Monty podcast is a resource of ABF, a church headquartered in the PDX area of Oregon. ABF makes helpful and interesting online resources for the church, local, and at large through ABF Studios. And interestingly enough, on Wednesday, uh, so that's tomorrow, we are going to start uh, a new um, resource for you guys, starting with a live event called the Gospel Diaries. And it's a simple concept. We just believe at ABF that there's just not enough um, real testimony about what God has done in people's lives. Uh, and we believe that that is the original message that was supposed to be given. So, um, yeah. Uh, so we wanted to do that. So we have this resource that's coming out tomorrow. We'll have a few live testimonies that are given. And then we've recorded some testimonies that will be put online. And we're open. We're going to open that up so that people can send us their testimonies so that we basically just have a repository of testimonies that can be pointed to at all times. Uh, so you can be praying for that ministry. Mm-hmm. And, um, Very cool. That's what we're, that's what we're going to do. It's simple, but we think it will be effective and, um, it's good. So anyway, if you are a person who has enjoyed our resources, remember to like subscribe and share them with our pod or share them and our podcast. And remember that you can find all of them again at abfstudios.org. So please take a second to do that. So you can stay up to date whenever we share new content each week. And remember that content is shared every Tuesday at 11 a.m. I am pastor Josh, your co-host and senior pastor over at ABF. And this has been pastor Monty.